Today we're going to be looking at the passage in Luke chapter 10, the end of the chapter, Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. It should be noted this account only occurs, by the way, in Luke. The other Gospels do not mention this particular account. Uh, We need to remember that every word that Jesus speaks is important. Every word Jesus speaks is essential. Jesus never speaks an idle word. Remember, we're informed that every idle word a man speaks, he will give an account for. Well, Jesus never spoke a single idle word. Everything that Jesus speaks, every word that Jesus says, every interaction that Jesus has with anybody while he's here on this earth, and particularly during those three and a half years of his public ministry, absolutely any and everything he ever said and anyone he ever interacted with would have been incredible, marvelous, and could have very well found its way into one of the four Gospels. The fact is, these four Gospels could be hundreds of thousands of words long. They could just be volume after volume after volume, everything that Jesus said and did. So when an account actually occurs in one of the Gospels, there's no fillers, right? This is not like, well, I had to put something in there. Oh, no. The people writing the Gospels, Luke in particular, makes a very careful account. So this particular account of what we're looking at here, this account of Jesus' interaction with Mary and Martha is deliberately placed in here. Jesus is about to make his way, well, he's actually on his way. He has left his ministry in Galilee. He has pronounced judgment on them. Woe unto you, Chorazin and Bethsaida. He has stopped wandering around in the Galilean region exclusively and has now spread his ministry out to where he is on his way eventually to Jerusalem. It's going to take about six months, six months of travel. Now remember the beginning of this chapter. He sent out the 70. He sent them out in pairs. And Luke 10.1 starts with this. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others. He sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. The 70 go out. They walk into the town. They say, you need to be prepared. The king is coming. You need to be prepared. The kingdom is going to arrive. Remember, some folks received them. Some folks didn't receive them. If they didn't receive you, shake the dust off your feet and, and just move on to the next place. Jesus, starting at the beginning of verse of chapter 10, has left the Galilean region as an exclusive place of his ministry and is now going to go to all of those towns that the 70 have visited. Today's passage would seem, I mean, it doesn't specifically say this, but if you put this together, okay, the 70 went out, they went to places, there are places that received them. This account would seem to be one of those places. The 70 have shown up. They, at least a pair of them, they went out in twos, remember? So that's 35 teams, went out into the various places. And so they show up here. And this is, uh, we, we know from John, not from Luke, we know from John that this is the town of Bethany. It's about two miles from Jerusalem. So this is the account. Let me, let me read this for you. Luke 10, starting in verse 38. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. 
But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So when the 70 went out and these 35 teams went out, it would appear that at least one of those teams arrived in Bethany and were welcomed by some people in the town, obviously welcomed by Martha and Mary. And, of course, we also know Lazarus, the brother, right? That's, it's that group. It's that three people. And they responded positively. So, as Jesus goes out and travels, when he gets to this place, Bethany, and, and by the way, this might not be completely chronological. Uh, it, it doesn't need to be. Luke is trying to make a particular point here. He's trying to make a point about the teaching of Jesus. So, first. 38, now as they were traveling along, he entered a village. And as far as Luke is concerned, he doesn't really point out what village it is. We know because of John, Luke is like, I don't know, it's some village. He went into a village. Luke is trying to make the point that, look, I'm not concerned about where Jesus is. He's out of the Galilean region. That was important then. It's not now. He just went to a certain village. What happens here when he gets to this village is we're going to watch the teaching of Jesus. This event occurs in the scriptures because we're going to see the reaction of two different people to the teaching of Jesus. This is how the Bible often presents things. When we, when we look, the Bible lays out for us two views. And here we see Jesus is going to teach. From this chapter and this, this moment here, chapter 10, on through almost to chapter 20 or even into chapter 20, we are going to now focus on the teaching of Jesus. Yeah, there'll be some miracles. They'll, they'll happen. But this isn't really talking about the miracles. This is now talking about what Jesus is teaching. And it doesn't take long, by the way, if you just kind of skim through the next 10 chapters to come up with what Jesus is going to talk about. And so let me just give you a, a quick overview here. In, in the next chapter, in chapter 11... He's going to start talking about prayer. He's going to talk about what to do about demons, about signs, about legalism. That's all in chapter 11. Chapter 12, he's going to talk about the judgment of God. He's going to talk about persecution. He's going to talk about greed and faith. And he's going to talk about some prophecies in the second coming. Chapter 13, he's going to talk about the application of the law. And he's going to talk about the kingdom of God. In chapter 14, he's going to talk about humility and being a member in the kingdom and the requirements of getting into the kingdom. Chapter 15, he's going to talk about how to evangelize. Chapter 16, he's going to talk about how to be wise, how to be a good steward, how to execute justice. Chapter 17, Jesus is going to talk about how to be a good servant, how to have gratitude, and he's going to go on about the second coming again. Chapter 18, he's going to talk more about prayer and whether or not the wealthy can actually get saved. Chapter 19, how to repent and be a good steward. Chapter 20, do you pay your taxes? And what about resurrection in the Old Testament? Teaching, 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 teaching. It's 10 more chapters of nothing but teaching. Frankly, I cannot wait to get to it. Jesus is going to take six months. It'll probably take slightly longer than that to get through it. Jesus is going to talk about all of this, and Luke is setting us up for this. Luke is saying, all right, 
I'm going to talk to you about these two folks who had a response to the teaching of Jesus. One of them you should emulate. One of them you might want to think carefully about whether you want to emulate that. So, here we have a woman named Martha, and she welcomed them into her home. Now, at this point, Martha is not referred to as, you know, the friend of Jesus. Martha is not, uh, there's, no, there's no actual term of familiarity here. She is just a general term, a woman named Martha. So at this point, um, we know that by the time Lazarus is sick unto death, we know by that point, when that event gets around to occurring, uh, John will record and say, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But this moment would appear to be kind of the initial interaction. I mean, every relationship has to start somewhere, right? So Jesus' interaction with Mary and Martha and Lazarus would appear to begin at this moment. So Martha welcomes him into her house. She's the hostess. There's no indication that she's married. She's probably, therefore, a widow. Probably her parents have died. Uh, we know that because her sister, Elizabeth. I mean, if Mary's not married, and there's no indication she's married either, if Mary... Uh, if her parents are still alive, it would be most common for her to live at her parents' house, not with her sister's house. So probably the parents have died, and Martha is most likely a widow, which is why she's got the whole house. Now, she's the hostess. She has welcomed them into her house. Um, this, is, this is now, uh, uh, she's got to take care of them. Exactly how many people was this? Well, you've got Jesus, you've got most likely the 12, since they travel with him everywhere. You probably also have at least the two from the 70 who stopped and talked to Mary and Martha. Maybe they stayed at Mary and Martha's house. Maybe, we don't, we don't know. They simply stayed with the first people who welcomed them, but maybe that was Mary and Martha. So that's at least 15 people. So this is a, this is a house full. She's welcomed them. She has brought them into her home. She is accepting the responsibility to host them, to watch over them, to, to take care of them. And this is Jesus. She knows who he is. She's going to call him Lord. The, the reputation of who Jesus is has preceded him. There's every reason to believe that she is a believer, that she knows who he is, and that he is the Lord and the Messiah. So, you know, this is the moment, right? I mean, come on, ladies, you know how this is. This is a special guest who has shown up and is coming to your house. Hey, break out the special dishes. This is the moment here. Get the silverware out. Get, clean out everything. We've got to get the cobwebs out of the corners. Kill the fatted calf. This is the moment to prepare the feast. Jesus is in town, and he's staying at my house. I mean, we've got to make this go right. Everybody's got to see that I, let me tell you, I know how to put on a spread. And, uh, and, and we're going to impress Jesus and his disciples and everybody else. Okay, so there's, there's Martha. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being hospitable. There's nothing wrong with being a good hostess. I mean, if, if you're going to be adopted into the role of the widows, you have to have washed the saints' feet and entertained strangers. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong here. 
at this point with what Martha's got going. Not, not yet, anyway. She had a sister, Mary. We don't really know that much about Mary. Mary, in this account, doesn't really say anything. Even at the time with the resurrection of Lazarus, at that moment, she still doesn't, I mean, she says a little bit, not a whole lot. Actually, Martha does most of the talking in that account, too. Um, so we don't really know much about Mary, but we do know what she's doing. Mary is seated at the feet of the Lord and is listening to his word. This is why we have the two people, right? This is the, the two different folks. We've got one lady who is over here hostessing, and we've got this another, probably the younger sister. I mean, it, since it's Martha that actually seems to own the house, Mary just lives there. There's, it would seem to be that Mary is the younger one. So she has, at the time Jesus arrived, managed to kind of get herself inserted into the crowd as they make their way into the house. There's probably a large room, which is why they would have Jesus there. She has got herself next to Jesus, and when Jesus, we, he could have stood or sat, he, he's been known to do either one. Whatever it was Jesus was doing, she manages to make her way right up to the front with him, and as he begins to teach, she sits herself right down, right there at the feet of Jesus. I don't know about you, uh, when I went to school, and the last place I went to was seminary, and this would have been true there as well, if I had the opportunity to sit wherever I wanted, and pretty much in seminary you did, it wasn't like they were really taking attendance. I mean, some of them did, most part not. You could probably figure out what I thought of the class by where I sat. You, you could kind of put together, if I, if I love this class and I love this teacher, front row. I don't want to miss a word. If it was a really hard class, I sat as close to the front anyway as I possibly could because the tests that were coming were going to be just devastating and you needed to know the material. So, but there were classes that, um, not very many, but there were a few classes. You're kind of like, uh, you could just kind of make your way to the back because if a bunch of stuff goes on between me and what's going on up there, I mean, I'll take the notes and read the books and that'll just be that. So, when Mary has the opportunity, she literally sits at the feet of Jesus. I mean, stop and think about that. This phrase, by the way, we still use this terminology. I mean, if you have someone who is a, a marvelous teacher, you know, well, I sat at the feet of, you know, whoever. It's a term that even the world still uses. And, it, and of course, it comes from the ancient world. Here she is. Now, remember this. The scribes and the Pharisees would have disapproved of this. They were not big on teaching women. Uh, and if the women wanted to learn, they could sit in the back. And they, or maybe just in the women's section, which might have even been in an adjacent room. Uh, they were not really keen. Jesus? Yeah, just wait. We'll see the account. Jesus is obviously great with Mary sitting right at his feet. So picture for a moment that you could be Mary. I mean, Jesus is the most interesting, engaging, challenging, but encouraging speaker in the history of the world. I mean, this is God. 
You're sitting there listening to God speak to you. This is the Alpha and the Omega. This is the bread of life. This is the Prince of life. This is the lily of the valley, the lion of the tribe of Judah. This is the good shepherd, the light of the world. This is the king of kings and lord of lords. He's the way and the truth and the life. He's the true vine. But Martha. Oh, Martha, Martha. Don't you know who this is? Yeah, she knows who it is. She knows who it is. She'll call him Lord when she has an opportunity here in just a minute. I, have you ever sat around and thought, you know, wouldn't it have been nice to live in the Bible times? And, I mean, it'd be good to, you know, just get a line or two about my life in the Bible. And, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe not, right? So everyone was serving God, but R.G., you know, you're like, oh, of all the things I want stuck in the Bible, I don't know that I want the word but in front of me, you know? Um, here, here Martha is. Now, I'm sure Martha means, means well. I, I'm sure that Martha is simply doing what she thinks is the right thing to be doing. I mean, she's, she's, this is her house, right? She's trying to, to be the, the hostess. But the fact is, what she's doing is not the right thing. Luke has inserted this account in here to give us a clear view as to exactly who it is we want to be. The scriptures often, and Jesus often, speaks in binary terms. You know, there's A and there's B. There's one and there's two. There's, you're either this or you're that. There's the kingdom of light. There's the kingdom of darkness. We got the sheep and we got the wolves. We've got the wheat and we've got the tares. We've got the rich man and we've got Lazarus. We have the flesh and we have the spirit. We have the wise and the foolish. God is making things simple here. We've got Mary, who is sitting at the feet of Jesus to soak in every word he's saying. And then we've got Martha. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations. Mary, like everyone else, is in the room listening to Jesus. I mean, Jesus is here. This is the Son of God standing here talking to us. I mean, this is God in the flesh standing here. Everyone's in the room. Everyone's paying attention. Everyone is just just listening to what Jesus has to say. Well, everyone except Martha. She's distracted. And, and the word means that she's, she's being pulled away. She's being turned. She's, she's being dragged off. By what? Well, everyone here, everyone in the room is all being fed by the word of God. Everyone is listening to the very word of God. Except Martha. Martha is not worried so much about what Jesus has to say as she's worried about her part. She's not concerned about how Jesus looks. She's concerned about how she looks. Oh, the teaching is good and all of that. But, you know, she's, she's working on the preparations. So in the middle of Jesus speaking, in the middle of Jesus teaching, she comes up to him. <sighs> 
did she come up to him to, you know, sit down next to Mary so that she too could get in on the very words of the Son of God? Is that, is that what she's doing there? Ah, uh, not so much. This is her house. This is her event. I mean, come on, you know. If I need to interrupt what Jesus is saying, well, I just need to interrupt. I need to have a word with Jesus. He, he, uh, and she doesn't just try to, you know, like get his attention from the back of the room or for that matter, just kind of, you know, make her way around and maybe get in a window and kind of look at Mary and go, hey, you know, you know oh, no, no, she just marches right into the meeting, marches right up to Jesus, just, just walks right up to the front. And then she says this. I mean, you're thinking this can't get any worse, right? Oh, she hasn't opened her mouth yet. She says, Lord, do you not care? Oh. Uh, doesn't really matter what she follows that up with, does it? You're kidding me. Martha, really? You're going to walk up to Jesus and say to him, do you not care? Oh, wait. Jesus came to town, remember? You were thrilled that Jesus came to town. He's coming to your house. You have the opportunity and the honor and, and, the, and the moment to serve Jesus. Isn't this fantastic? You get to serve Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, we've kind of lost a little bit of that servant attitude. We've kind of lost that gratitude. We've, we've kind of lost our ability to be really happy about our service to Jesus. <clears throat> yeah. She calls him Lord. Lord, don't you care? I mean, it's not like she doesn't acknowledge who he is. She knows exactly who he is. And she still asks him, do you not care? Jesus is the most loving, kind, compassionate man to ever walk the face of the planet. In all of human history, he is going to lay down his life for her. And she's going to march up to him and confront him in the middle of his teaching and ask him if he cares? Do you have the proper concern? Did you understand what's going on around here? Oh, oh, okay, Martha. Let's, um, I don't know what exactly is happening. I mean, what? Is the house on fire? You know, I mean, is the world coming to an end? I mean, exactly what is it that's happened here that you, that you feel so compelled to, you know, to just march up here and, and interrupt this? Well, well, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Oh, oh, well, okay. I'm, uh, well, all right. Now, uh, yeah, yeah. Now we get it. Okay, that's right. We can, we can stop talking about the glories of heaven and the terror of hell, and, and we can stop talking about, about the Son of God actually getting up here and talking about how he's the bread of life and the living water and the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And we can get to what's really important around here, right? Forget the bread of life. If my sister doesn't get in that kitchen, the bread we're supposed to eat is going to burn. I mean, this is a nice meeting and all, but you know, I've got real problems here. The soup is still cold. We haven't got anybody to light the fire yet. The table isn't set, and I have no idea where everybody's going to sleep tonight. 
I mean, come on, we've got real problems going on here. Can we just stop talking about eternal life and the kingdom of God long enough to actually take care of my problems? By the way, tell my sister to, to come help me. As if her issues weren't sufficient, she actually starts ordering Jesus around. I mean, read it. Tell her to come help me. Okay, Jesus, if you don't submit to my agenda, you're obviously insensitive, uncaring, and, and well, you can make your own supper. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, Martha, Martha, Martha. Oh, oh, Martha. <laughs> Which, by the way, is exactly what Jesus says to her, right? Jesus doesn't, he doesn't respond in kind. He doesn't get upset. He doesn't, I, I mean, come on. She's just publicly rebuked Jesus. At least he doesn't look at her. And if you think this is just, you know, a problem with ladies, uh, let me remind you. When Peter rebuked Jesus, and oh, by the way, he did, what did Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Okay, well, at least Jesus doesn't say that to Martha. Martha's just, we'll get through it in a second about what Martha's issues are. But Jesus just says to her, Martha, Martha. You know, kind of a, just wait, just stop for a moment here, really. Martha, take a deep breath, look around, and just, just look at yourself, you know? Will you just take a minute and look in the mirror? Because I'm sure if you do, and you just kind of let the emotions of this moment kind of seep away, uh, I think you're going to get a, a better perspective on this. Martha, you're worried and bothered about so Many things. Why is, why is she coming after Jesus? Well, he clearly doesn't have the same priority she does. Yeah, yeah, that's right. God's ways are not our ways. You know, Jesus actually doesn't have the same priorities she does. But instead of being instructed by that and submitting to that and kind of figuring out that, you know, wait a minute, maybe what Jesus is doing is what I should be doing. Maybe if Jesus is teaching, I should be, oh, I don't know, listening? Maybe I should actually be paying attention to what Jesus is doing here. No, what Martha was concerned about was how this event is going to reflect on me. That's your problem. That's her major problem. How do we know that? Well, she's distracted with all kinds of preparations instead of listening to what Jesus has to say. She's concerned that the preparations aren't going to get done well, and that's going to reflect badly on her. She's not worried about the kingdom of heaven. She's not worried about the reputation of Jesus. She's not worried about whether souls are repenting. What she's worried about is whether or not she's going to look like a good hostess. It's consumed her. She just wants to make sure that she looks good. It is understandable, right? I mean, who are we trying to kid? I mean, if you want to stand back and condemn Martha, you better be really careful, because the fact is, every single one of us can fall into this. We kind of got our own agenda. We've kind of got our own priorities. We want to kind of make sure things go well for us and that we look good and that it's, you know, if anything goes wrong, it's not our fault. I mean, that's just built into us. 
and it's built into Martha. She just kind of exudes it. It's, it's, you know, it's just some people's sins go before them to judgment and some follow after, and Martha's clearly one that her sins have just preceded her. He says to her, you are worried and concerned about so many things, but you know, only one thing is really necessary. Now, just stop and think about that for a second. This is God himself here. This is Jesus. And he says this, only one thing is necessary. And and what is it he's talking about? Well, he's obviously talking about the word of God. The words that he's speaking, the teaching, the truths that he is putting forward. These are the things that are necessary. You can waste all kinds of time being all kinds of worried and concerned about all kinds of stuff, but here's what's necessary. The word of God. Not whether or not the table is set, not whether or not we have enough food, not whether or not we, we, the rug is clean and the, and the cobwebs are down out of the corners. Or it, none of that matters. That's not what matters. And oh, by the way, as kind of an aside, but also essential, um, stop comparing yourself to others. How did, how did Martha lose her her wonderful, thankful hostess can't wait to just have Jesus here and see it just go great. And, and how did she lose all that? Well, she started comparing herself to her sister. Paul states, black and white, right? Uh, comparing ourselves among ourselves, uh, it's not wise. The standard is not how I'm doing in comparison to everyone else. The standard is how am I doing in comparison to Jesus. I mean, if I want to compare myself, compare myself to Jesus. Yeah, you may be doing better than the people around you. That's not the standard. The standard is are we doing what Jesus is doing? This this exact same kind of interaction occurs at the end after the resurrection. John records it for us, John 21. Jesus speaks to Peter and says, you know, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and you walk wherever you wished, but when you grow old, you're just going to stretch out your hands and someone else is going to gird you, put your clothes on, and they're going to take you to where you don't want to go, signifying the death which he was going to die. So Jesus says to him, follow me. Peter turns around. No, you're supposed to follow me. Oh, no, not Peter. He he turns around. And he sees the disciple whom Jesus loves. Goes on and says, Peter, seeing him, says to Jesus, well, what about him? Jesus just laid out for Peter how it is you're going to go about dying. The moment is going to come when they're going to, when you're going to get old and they're going to take your hands and they're, you know, they're going to take you someplace you don't want to go. And so you just need to follow me. And Peter Stop following Jesus, turns around, points to John, and says, well, well, what about him? Exact, this is Martha, right? This is the Martha issue. Well, what about my sister? Don't you, look at her. She's not doing anything. She's just sitting there listening. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what she's doing. She's sitting there listening and drinking in the words of Jesus. Martha, what are you doing? You run around with all kinds of stuff, but you're not listening to the teaching of Jesus. 
And of course, Peter says, uh, Jesus says to Peter, well, okay, what if I want him to remain until I return? What is that to you? What, what do you care? What do you care what God does or doesn't do with other people? Remember the, remember the parable that Jesus gives about the guys who, the, the good man hires them for a denarii at, at 6 o'clock in the morning and sends them out into his, out into his field because a denarii was a day's wage. And he goes back out at 9 in the morning. That was at 6 in the morning. He goes back out at 9 in the morning, three hours later. There's a group of guys there. He's like, okay, you guys go in the field, and I'll pay you whatever you know, is, is right. He goes out at noon. He goes back out at 3. By three in the, they only work till 6 o'clock at night. By 3 in the afternoon... What are you still doing here? Well, these guys are desperate. They can't go home. They can't say to the wife, hey, you know, I, I, uh, I didn't get any work today. I mean, they had to have work. So he says to the guys at 3 in the afternoon, you just go out in the film work and whatever. I'll, you know. And, of course, he goes to pay them, and he picks the guys at 3 in the afternoon first, and he gives them an entire denarii, a whole day's wage. And they only work from 3 to 6. And then he goes to the guys at noon, the guys at nine, and then he gets to the guys that he hired at six in the morning. And they're sitting there thinking, boy, oh boy, we're going to get two denarii for this. I mean, yeah. And of course, he gives them a denarii, and they complain. And he looks at them, it's like, didn't you agree to work for a day's wage? Didn't I give you a day's wage? Wasn't this a fair payment for a fair day's work? Well, you were generous to them, so. Yeah. I can be generous to who I want to be generous to. I'm not obligated to be generous to anyone. We have to be careful that we don't develop this Martha spirit where we start comparing ourselves among ourselves. We start looking at other people and what God may or may not, we think, be doing in their lives and start saying, hey, what about them? Don't, 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 don't do the what about them. Where does that lead to? Well, that leads to you marching up to Jesus in the middle of his teaching and going, don't you care? That's where that goes. I mean, once we lose our attitude, once we decide that God is, I, I don't think God cares about me. He obviously cares for them. He doesn't care about me. Okay. We don't want to be going there. We don't want to be sitting around wondering if the Lord of the universe actually cares about us, which is what Martha is doing. This is Jesus. He's going to die for her. I want you to tell Mary to stop listening to the words of life. I want you to stop listening to the great glories that you're teaching and tell her to get out here in the kitchen. Really? (sighs) Jesus looks at Martha. You're concerned about and worried about so many things. You know what? Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, this word part, is a, it's actually an interesting word. It's a kind of general word, and it's used in a variety of contexts. And I won't go through them all, but it's, it's the prodigal son. Remember, he went to his father and said, give me my portion, my part of the inheritance. We're going to divide the inheritance up, and when we do, I, I mean, I want my part, and I want it now. Uh, When Jesus was crucified, they took the possessions of Jesus and they divided them up into parts. They they took what he had and they divided it up into four parts. Remember, they didn't divide his robe. So Jesus is saying, look, when you divide up the inheritance, you divide up 
and, and by the way, we are all joint heirs with Jesus. Remember, we've gone over that here just recently. Jesus is saying to her, look, Mary has chosen her part, her portion. She has chosen what she is going to get out of the inheritance of the kingdom of God. And her, the part that she has taken is to come listen to the teachings of Jesus and to listen to the words of life. She has chosen the good part, the good portion, the portion we should all be choosing, the truth of God's word and being there every time the word of God is spoken. That's what she's chosen. And by the way, this choice that she has made, it will not be taken away from her. The great blessing of God that she has been part of what Jesus is doing, this is the one thing that's necessary. Know the word of God. That's it. All that other stuff, well, it comes, it goes. Sometimes life is good, sometimes life isn't good. Sometimes things go great, sometimes things don't go so great. There's really only one thing. There's really only one thing that's necessary. Know the word of God. That's why you're here. That's, that's why you're listening. Because you want to know the word of God. And by the way, that's why I see my responsibility is to teach you the word of God. If you're wondering why you don't hear all kinds of stories about my upbringing, and I have a million of them, and, and, you, and why I'm not up here just talking about myself, it's because it's not about me. I don't, who cares? You want to know about me, call me on the phone, invite me over, I'll sit around and talk about myself till you throw me out. I, this is not that moment. I want you to understand the words of Jesus, the word of God. I just have a brief time here. This is the moment, and this is what Jesus is saying. Mary has chosen the good part, and Luke has inserted this in the text at this very moment because that's what he wants us to understand. We are going to start talking about the teaching of Jesus. From here, for the next 10 chapters, it's going to be nothing but the teaching of Jesus. And the question is, are you going to be Mary or are you going to be Martha? Are you going to be absorbed and sitting at the feet of Jesus or at at least sitting at the feet of the teaching of Jesus? And are you going to be here and are you going to hear it? Or are you going to just can't wait? Or are you going to get distracted? Are you just going to be distracted? You're just going to be concerned about other things, sitting around wondering if the roast is burning or how the ball game is going or I don't know. There's a million things to distract us, you know, sitting around on your phone you know, while the word of God is being preached. Is that, is that what we're doing? Because we shouldn't be doing that. This is the moment. And Mary is not distracted. She is laying up treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. And by the way, let's just remember here, the scribes and the Pharisees there were some of them who didn't even think it was worth teaching a woman. That was, that was common in their culture. Completely wrong, of course. Smartest people on the planet. Anybody, I don't know anybody could think that. But anyway, obviously Jesus disagrees with the scribes and the Pharisees. He's thrilled that Mary is sitting there. In fact, he thinks Martha should be sitting there too. Martha. Now, there's no indication that Mary is... is She's certainly not an apostle. She's, there's no indication that she's got any kind of ministry going on or any kind of position of teaching. It doesn't matter. 
doesn't matter. Jesus is not limiting his teaching to those who are going to reteach it. If you're a disciple, you need to hear the teaching of Jesus. Jesus teaches everybody, men, women. I mean, yes, of course. Yes. This is why Luke includes this, and this is setting up for us what's to come. I, I don't know about you. I, I, I don't know. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm, I am just looking forward. We are, I mean, the riches that are just going to come pouring out of the word of God, that are just going to enliven us and enrich us and transform us as we interact and look at what Jesus has to say. I, I, I don't know. I hardly wait. Why are we only doing this on Sundays? I don't, you know, I don't. All right. Let's pray. Lord, we are, we are just so amazed at your word, amazed at the things that you speak, the truth that you put forward. Lord, may each one of us be like Mary. Just can't wait to sit at your feet and pay complete attention to everything you say. Lord, we understand the heart of Martha. We, we know what it is. We, we get distracted. We get pulled away by many things as well. We, we know what it is to, to think that other things could be more important, but they're not. And so, Lord, may we be drawn to you each Sunday as your word is opened. May we open your word ourselves throughout the week and read and be nourished and strengthened. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you do care for us. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.